So I, my, my name's Mike, but I, I grew up in a household where we had like three or four Mikes in the family. So there was, I was Mikey for a while. And then, of course, if you're in the 80s and 90s, you know the, the Life cereal commercial where it's like, oh, Mikey will eat it. Mikey likes it. Mikey. So always Mikey, Mikey, Mikey. Um, then uh, my dad was a high school basketball coach. And so as a little kid, I always loved being able to um, go into um, just practice with the players and stuff like that. As a five-year-old or six-year-old, you just thought these guys were like NBA all-stars. And at that time, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and stuff like that. So I got the nickname Magic Mike um, during that season, which wouldn't work so well uh, right now, okay? So I, I liked it then, not so much now. Some nicknames just can't quite, can't quite go there. Um, but um, I also got to coach the high school. I, I don't know. You guys are telling jokes out there or something. I just feel like people are laughing at me, but... Um, I got to coach on the high school football team. So part of the, the, the benefits of that, you get this like awesome sweatshirt that has my, my name on it. But I coached for two seasons, and you get freshmen through seniors in those seasons. So I got basically five graduating classes that I got to work with there on that team. And you build some bonds with these players. It's a, it's a great blessing to be able to coach. Um, but even to this day, when I see some of those players, I'm known as coach. It's like, hey, coach, and I'm like, what? Oh, wait, that's me, because it was a, a former, former player. So sometimes I get nicknamed that. Now, uh, now that I'm a pastor, too, they're like, what do I call you? And, you know, are you, are you pastor? Are you reverend? Please do not call me reverend. Uh, I had someone come to me a couple of weeks ago. Are you that, that minister guy or something like that? You know, I'm just like, just call me Mike, all right? Just just call me Mike. But we have different nicknames. Today I want to ask the question, what's your name? And it's going to come out of our scripture today in Genesis chapter 32. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 32. We're going to look at Jacob today. We looked at Abraham um, and we've looked at Isaac. We're we are now going to, uh, we looked at Isaac a little bit and then we're going to look at Jacob today in this story. It says in, in verse 22, during the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. Now, just quick time out. We're going to re- recover some or go over some of Jacob's history here. But in this moment, in this context, he is traveling back home. Uh, after being gone for 20 years, and he's, he's, he's going to, he found out that Esau, his brother, is waiting for him with like 400 soldiers. And this is not a good scene because the last time he talked with Esau, Esau said, I'm going to kill you, which is why he left. So now he's coming back and he's like, uh oh, Esau has been waiting for his moment. It's revenge time. So he's sending over possessions, he's sending over gifts to try to see how angry Esau is in this situation. And so it says, after he sent them to the other side, uh, this left Jacob all alone in camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. He, starts to, he meets God when he's all alone, which for many of us, that's, that's the time when God kind of shows up in our lives. And so when the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hitch and rinsed it out of socket. 
And then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And here's the question, the question of the hour. What is your name? The man asked. And he replied, Jacob. And he, he gets a name change here. He says, your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. For now you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. And please tell me your name. Now Jacob flips the question, tell me your name. And he says, why do you want to know my name? The man replied. And then he blessed Jacob there. We're going to uh, uh, dive in, into this today. What is your name? And, and in this scene, uh, Jacob is wrestling with God. Some, some scholars say this is God the Father kind of showing up in, in Scripture. Sometimes the, the way you see uh, uh, an angel or a messenger from the Lord, sometimes it's an angel. Sometimes it's described as God coming down. Sometimes people think, hey, that was Jesus uh, coming. This one is described as Elohim. And so some scholars think it was, was God the Father kind of showing up here in this, in this situation. Uh, some people think it was an angel. Like, we don't know. We don't know exactly what's going on in this situation and how they're wrestling. Uh, we know there is a spiritual wrestling going on here, but we also know there's something physical because Jacob ends up with a limp here. He gets his, his hip uh, out, out of socket in this place. Now, to understand the importance of this question, the importance of this wrestling match, you kind of have to backtrack through Jacob's history and his life because he's been wrestling with God and he's been wrestling with men his entire life, even from the womb. Back when, when Jacob was born, we know he was twins with Esau. And when his mother, Rachel, was pregnant, she said the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So she went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me? So she's pregnant. They don't have a sonogram, but apparently there's a wrestling match WrestleMania taking place inside of, of her womb. She's like, why, God, my goodness, what is happening in this situation? And in this, in this moment, as she's talking with God and having it out with him, he, he says, hey, you have, you have twins inside of you. That's what's going on. And oh, by the way, the, the younger will be served by the older. And we live in a totally different con culture, totally different context as we'll see. But in this situation, whoever was born first got a lot of inheritance, got a lot of rights. Second born, not so much. And so, you know, in us for today, as we think about it, typically we would probably go 50-50 split on inheritance. Well, it just didn't go down that way. And so God's saying, this one's going to be a role reversal from what you are accustomed to. Typically, all the blessing, all the inheritance goes towards the firstborn, but I'm here to tell you, Rachel, the promise is going to the secondborn. Well, they're born. Esau comes out first, and then it says the other twin was born, Jacob, with his hand grasping Esau's heel. As almost if from the, I don't even know how this is going down, but it says that he's grasping at his heel like, I want to try to be first in this situation. And so they named him Jacob. Now, Jacob means you'll have a little asterisk in your, in your, or a little um, sub, sub point in, in your verses that says heel grabber or deceiver 
or one who's trying to overtake. All right. Now, I, I don't know about baby names in, in 2022, but calling your, your child deceiver is probably still available. May not be the best choice uh, for kids. I, I know somebody who's named Wild. I also know a, a teenager that is named Rage. Uh, not probably available, still available for names in 2022. Maybe not the best choices <laughs> as you, as you're um, naming because this idea of deceiver, this idea of of uh, heel grabber, trying to overtake, always grasping for something, is sticking with him. That's why I asked you. That's why I asked you. What do you? What is your name? Because so often things get attached to us, and you may tell people, Hi, my name's Bob, but you live with this guilt and shame or failure that just sticks with you your entire life. Or it's not the name that God gave to you. Like God has given you. Names, just like I gave my son and, and, and my sons, we gave them names, Jeremiah and Charlie. We did not give them the name Jerry or Charles. So some people are like, oh, hey, Jerry, and we are quick to say, if we wanted him named Jerry, we would have called him Jerry. We call him Jeremiah, all right? Charlie is the name on the birth certificate. If we wanted Charles, we would have, we would have, it is there, it's the name. You're going to be called by that name, all right? Maya is acceptable in our household, but we gave them names. We're protective over that, okay, whatever. But God is protective over you, and he doesn't want you wearing or going around saying, this is who I am, when he never intended for that name to be placed on you. You have an enemy that would love to leverage what has happened to you in your life and let it overwhelm you. You have God who would love to leverage what has happened in your life and help you overcome it. Two people taking the same situation saying, I'm going to leverage this. One intended to destroy you. One intended to develop you. And you can see this happening right from the start with Jacob. God has names and places for you to go. He doesn't want you to stay stuck in failure. He doesn't want you to stay stuck in shame or insecurity. But the, the problem for many of us, the labels that we wear, and they'll creep up, something will just trigger it and bring up all your insecurities out of nowhere, and how quickly you hold on to those determines you start drifting into one of two areas, that you are disqualified because of something that you've done. You did something, and now you are disqualified from, from serving God or having a purpose, or you are unqualified. I'm just not good enough. I did something that disqualified me from this, or I'm just totally inadequate and unqualified. And if you sit around in those two areas, you'll settle for comfort. You will settle for comfort. You will just settle because I'm not good enough or I messed up too much. 
And God never intended for that today. That's why I'm, I'm wearing it today, because I need this today. I am called. I am called by God. There's too many times I want to rest in my insecurities about how I cannot and should not be up here. But that has no bearing. My feelings don't determine who I am. In Christ, I am called. And so I can step forward today in my purpose, not based on my circumstances or feelings, but because I am called by God. In some ways, Jacob could have relied on the excuse. I guess I was just born this way. I mean, he had no control over his name. I didn't have any control over my genetics. I didn't have any control over that situation happening to me. I guess I just, this is just who I am. He could have relied on that. Jacob, in his path, not only did it start from his birth, but then we find out about this struggle with the birthright. He has another struggle, not only in his identity, but in, in uh, the birthright. So you had a birthright and you had a blessing, and both of them he, he, he deceived and robbed Esau from. Esau was the favorite. Esau was a man's man in a sense. Not really, but typically it described him like he was hairy. He was super hairy. He had red hair. He was a hunter. Like he could go and, and chase one of the deer down in Los Alamos and like just kill it with his bare hands or something like that. You know, like he could, he could hunt for food and game. He was a provider. And so... Isaac, who knew the promise, was supposed to go to Jacob. Um, you, we'll see that this whole family's jacked up. We, we'll see that they're, they're all trying to go off of instinct, and they're always scheming on how to try to get around things. Well, Jacob wants the birthright. Esau goes out, and, 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 and he's gone for a while. When he comes back, he's just, he is tired. He is, he is hungry. And he needs something. Well, Jacob is more, he's kind of like, more like me. He's in the house, all right? He's not the hunter. He, they're like polar opposites. And so Jacob, in Esau's weakness, says, hey, I'll cook you a meal if you will give me your birthright. So Esau says, yes. In a, in a moment, Esau, and again, for us, we're like, why is this such a big deal? In our culture, we'd be like, can't you just negotiate that later or get it back or say, ha ha, I tricked you or something like that? No, in this culture, it was, it was a done deal. It was a solid, they made, this, they made this thing. So Esau, he trades his birthright, something extremely valuable in that culture for a bowl of soup. For many, for many of us, and what I feel like God wants to say, don't exchange what you want later for something that will satisfy right now. Don't exchange something that you want later for something that would satisfy right now. If you're, if you're married or you want to be married, you think about, I want, I want a, a connection with my spouse. I want intimacy with my spouse. I want to be, I want to have a great marriage and a great family. That's something that we want. And, 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 and sometimes like that's, it's down the road. It's not here now, but I want that later. But we will settle 
for a cheap imitation that satisfies now. We will, we will settle for, you know what, I'm not getting like I'm feeling wanted at home, so I'll flirt at work. I'm not getting the intimacy that I want at home, so it's easier to go after images on my phone or just text and have some fun emotional conversations. And we will trade what we want for something that satisfies now in the moment. For many of us, we, we, we say, I want, I want a great relationship with my kids when they grow up. I want to be friends with my kids when they're, when they're older and when they have grandkids, I want to be around. And that's a great goal to want. That happens later. But so many of us, and I, I've seen this with, when working with parents of, of teenagers, we try to be friends with our kids now as teenagers. Or we try to be friends with our kids. My, my kindergartner, what, he wants an iPhone 12. I want an iPhone 12, he says, and he's serious. I'm the parent now. We will be friends later. Later is longer, but later is better. There are things that I, I there's things that would satisfy now, but I got to be the parent right now. I want to be, I want to be friendships, friend later. For some of us, we want peace with God. It's not where I want right now. I want the presence of God in my life. I'm, I'm pursuing in that direction. That's what I want. I'm not there yet, but I'm going in that direction. But so often, the awkwardness and discomfort of silence it's too much for us in our culture. So I will numb the silence by just scroll, 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 scroll because I, I don't have the ability to sit with God in solitude or in silence and just pray and speak time. I want a great relationship with God, but it's easier and it satisfies to load up my schedule so we look good and feel good, but I'm missing the thing that I want the most. Esau gives us a great lesson to say, don't trade what you want later for what satisfies right now. And we live in a culture that wants to be satisfied right now. I don't want anything that's going to bring me discomfort, so I will go for the things that satisfy. I don't know if I'm getting in anybody's kitchen or not, but I'm trying to give you some examples. We all struggle with this. We are all Esau's in some way. We struggle. You struggle with God and you struggle with man, Jacob. And then he struggles also with Esau when it comes to this blessing. It gets, it, time passes. We can read this story in like, I don't know, 20 minutes or so. But years pass. And now there's this, the blessing. And we already know that the blessing was going to pass on to Jacob, the second born. But Isaac... Isaac is doing his own scheming. He says, Esau, why don't you go and prepare a special meal, go hunt, go pre prepare a special meal, bring it back, and I'm going to bless you. Well, then Rebekah, the wife, hears what's going on and runs and gets Jacob real fast. And she just so happens to have a whole outfit of, of Esau's 
clothes and smell and all this stuff made up and ready to go. So Jacob can go into uh, Isaac's tent where he's at or his room and smell like Esau, touch like Esau. One thing I forgot to mention is that Isaac is blind at this time. He can't see anything. So Rachel devises this plan to say, go in there now and get the blessing and totally trick your dad while Esau's gone. Jacob is, Rebecca's scheming. Jacob, he's not innocent. He could have said no, but he goes in and he's scheming. Faith is living without scheming. Faith is living without scheming. Tony Evans, a pastor, said it like this. He says, faith is acting like something is so, even when it is not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. But here you have the whole party, the whole family scheming. Jacob goes into the room. His dad's there, Isaac. And he says, who are you? You see that, you see the hint of that same question. What's your name? Who are you? Esau or Jacob? To which Jacob says, I'm Esau. And he, he tricks his father, deceives his father into getting the blessing. Too many of us, we are trying to be blessed by pretending to be somebody who we're really not. This, com- this comes down to who are you? Who is the real you? If you want connection with God, if you want, if you want to be able to move forward in purpose and receive God's blessing in your life, you got to be real. you got to be the real you. But here's what I know about the real you and the real me. If you really knew me, you would not like me. So I will hide and wear Esau's clothes so I do not get rejected by you. But you cannot get blessed by God trying to be someone who you're not. And we live in a world of where people say, if you really knew me, you wouldn't like me. So do you like this version of me? Can you bless this version of me, God? And God's saying, no, I want the real you. I want the real you. Jacob deceives his father into getting the blessing. So you're like, hey, it all worked out. Like God was working in this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he really get the blessing? How can you enjoy the blessing when now you got to go live on the run for 20 years? You don't get to stay to enjoy the blessing. Because as soon as Esau finds out what's happened, and he finds out what happened, Rebecca says, he's going to kill you. You have to leave. And so they send him to his uncle Laban's place way far in another land. And for 20 years, he has to live separated from his family in this moment. And what, what's, what seeds you sow in this season come back to haunt you later or come back to bless you later. Because Jacob goes to his uncle Laban's house sees Rachel, whom he's like, man, I love her. I want to marry her. Laban says, sure, you can marry her. And on the wedding night, I guess without electricity or it's dark or whatever, Rachel had a sister named Leah. 
apparently not so attractive, not the wanted one or whatever. Again, totally different culture. Bible is descriptive, not prescriptive, okay? So this isn't like, oh, well, you can do these things and it's okay. It's just describing what happened. <laughs> On the wedding night, Laban switches Leah and Rachel, okay? And, and so now they consummate the marriage. Only thing is, when Jacob wakes up in the morning, it's not Rachel, it's Leah, all right? So I can imagine Jacob in like the best... Um, a uh, Batman voice where he's like, Rachel, where, where's Rachel? Rachel! <laughs> he's going nuts, right? So he's having it out with Laban to say, what's going on? It says, well, if you want to, you got to marry the oldest daughter first, Leah. So if you want Rachel, you got to work more years and all this sort of stuff. He's, he's getting schemed and deceived by his uncle. And this goes on and on. His whole life, Jacob has been struggling and wrestling. And now he's headed home with the threat of Esau coming in revenge for him. And he's alone with God and he's wrestling with God. Now, I've never been in a physical altercation with God, but I wrestle with God a lot. I don't understand why, I don't understand where, I don't understand how. This does not make sense. I remember coming to Los Alamos in 2003, and I had been on the run from God. I, I, I grew up in church, born and raised in the church, got saved, got baptized, but in middle school and high school, I ran from God, and I ran well. I come back. To, after graduating college, I get a job at the lab as a computer scientist, and I'm here all alone on this mountain, and God gets a hold of my life. I had no friends. I had no family. I just knew the people that I work with, and God, through a series of events, just started speaking with me, and I was wrestling with him, and I remember one night in August of 2003, I remember it because it was one of the most rawest, realest moments of my life. And, and, and I wake up and I'm just like, oh, I knew, I knew I was not alone in that moment. I knew that, like, wow. Woo! Okay, God. And he said, Mike, what are you fighting for? And he just asked me that question two, three, four times. I didn't hear it audibly. But I knew it plain as day. What are you fighting for? What are you fighting for? What are you fighting? What are you struggling for? And in that season of running, I was trying to chase success. I was trying to chase women. I was trying to chase popularity. I was trying to chase money. I was, I was at the end of myself. What are you fighting for? Do you want to keep going? And I knew, no. No, I'm done fighting. I surrender. I'm done fighting. Jacob is in this moment, and he's wrestling with God. And Jacob says, it's daybreak. He's like, let me go, because it's daybreak. And Jacob says, I'm not going to let go unless you bless me. So now the heel grabber is grabbing onto God. He's saying, I have been going off of instincts, 
feelings. I've tried everything else. I've tried to be liked, successful, make a difference. I'm at the end of my rope. I'm not letting go of you, God. I want you. To which then comes the question of the hour. God's response. What is your name? The last time we know that Jacob was asked this, who are you? And he was pretending to be somebody different. I'm Esau. God in this moment says, you want me? Then who are you? Who am I wrestling with in this moment? God would ask you the same thing right now. Who are you today? Who am I dealing with? The real you? Or the one who's trying to chase after and grab after and go after or hide? Who are you? What's your name? Jacob. I'm Jacob. I'm the trickster, the deceiver, the one who's been going down all the wrong paths, chasing after all the wrong things. It's the real me you got here. Jacob. This is the moment for Jacob. This wrestling match alone where he becomes alive. And now God changes his name. He says, I gotta, now that we know who you are, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a new plan and a new purpose and a new name. We're going to head in a new direction. I'm going to call you Israel. It means you've been striving with God and you've won. You've been striving with man and you've won now. Your new mission, Jacob, you're going to birth a nation. Out of all of this mess that you've created, I've got, I still got great plans and purpose. I still got blessing. You're going to birth this nation of Israel, which to me, I'm like, if you look at the nation of like Israel, that's still today, Israel. And, you're, and I'm thinking about Jacob and his whole life. And I'm like, God, this is who you want to name the nation after? Like this guy? This is the one. Look at what he's done with his life. Oh, this is grace. This is mercy. Jacob even says it. He says, I wrestled with God and I didn't die. He knew his place. Like, whoo, I have received mercy. If you want to get out of your stuckness and take steps forward in faith, you view yourself in the view of God's mercy. His grace towards you. And you be real. You have got to be real. You cannot fake this. And when you get in the presence of God like this, you are never the same. Jacob gets a name change, but he also leaves with a limp. And one of the, the, the most painful moments of his life was when he got the presence of God. It's one of the best moments of his life in this moment. He asked God, he goes, what's your name? 
What is your name, God? And he doesn't give him an answer, which I, I, I don't know why. I just know you can't fit God in a box. God, tell me your name. Seems like a simple answer. Nothing. But it says he goes on and he blesses him. I'm going to bless you now that I know it's the real you. Moses, who we read earlier, Paul and Tiffany, you read it. I wanted to bring it back to this. Moses sees, hears God in a burning bush, has, has God's presence around him. Moses has been on the run because he murdered somebody. And, and God says, you're going to go help Israel, my nation, out of slavery, out of Egypt. Who, me? So Moses says, God, tell me your name. Who are you? What is your name? What should I tell them? And God replies, this is what I want to end with today because this spoke to me. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent you to me. Which is a huge verse that we don't have time to unpack. But the next verse is what I actually want to highlight to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of... And you would think he would say Israel. He has a new name now. Now, Jacob was the former life. Israel is the new one. I want to highlight the good. I want to highlight this new future, this new promise, this new nation, the God of Israel. God changed his name to Israel, but he says, the God of Jacob. And that is the message of hope for you and I today. That He's not just the God of the good things in your life, the blessings in your life, the, 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 the abundance in your life, or whatever we would attribute to. Thank you, Jesus. He is also the God of your failures. He's the God of your mistakes. He's the God of your pain. He's the God of your worry and shame. He is the God who loves you and cares for you. I don't know if anybody else wants to get excited that we have the God of Jacob in this house today. Tell him, Moses. Go and tell him this is who I am. Tell him, Freedom Church. We have a whole world out there that is desperate that is chasing, that is grabbing, that is lusting, that has a hole, and they tell them the God of Jacob is here. You don't have to come all cleaned up. Jesus says, come as you are. It is a messy faith that we deal with. And what I want to tell you, if you're in the room today as a Christian you don't have to hide. You don't have to make it all look good. And I know it's hard because there's so much risk in getting rejected and we've been hurt, burned and hurt by people when we got too vulnerable. And I realize there's a risk in that. But God sees, I want you to know the God that you serve, the God of Jacob, He already knows. 
He already knows and He loves you. He has called you. He's ahead of you. I know that next step is uncertain, but He's ahead of you. He's right there waiting for you. This is the God of Jacob. This is the God that we serve. Go tell them, Moses. And Freedom Church, we got to go tell them too. Let's stand together. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.